Live Center. Look at you. How many of you guys are fully adjusted to the time change now? Only took a week. How many of you guys, like, if I asked that question a month from now, I used to be like, no. I, I knew that we were doing Clara's Hope, uh, you know, talking about orphan care, but I, I didn't understand was why Desi charged the field over here. I'm like, why is Desi get on the platform and why is no security stopping him? And I thought, well, who's going to stop him? You know, first of all, wherever he wants to go, he can. But you made a wonderful billboard, a lousy Vanna White, but a wonderful billboard for, for that. I do want to start this morning by saying something um, that will lead us into the message today. Um, I've had a lot of conversations. I'm not on social media, so I, I'm not aware of everything that's going on in everybody's lives and, and so forth. But I've talked to enough people since the election that they're like, hey, it feels like this, or I feel like that. And some are elated, some are depressed. And I just want to share a story with you. Can I tell you one story before we get to the word today? Is that okay? I, I've lived a long time. And I, I don't mean a long time like compared to some of you that are here, but I mean a long time compared to, I'm not young anymore. I've seen a lot of these elections, a lot of these seasons come and go. And one of the things that I inherited from law enforcement and from the military is, is a sense of this. If I'm not in control, I feel like I'm in danger. Does that make sense? So I walk up on a car, the traffic stop, they have tinted windows, the windows are up. I, I don't feel like I'm in control. I feel like I'm in danger. And there's a feeling I get when I'm in danger. I'm, I'm a little offensive. I'm a little aggressive. I'm a little, I either want to hang back and say, you go check it out, or I'm going to walk up there and rack on the window and say, roll your window down. What's, why is the cop so angry? Walk up on a few tinted windows, you'll understand why they're so angry, right? Because I'm not in control, so I feel like I'm in danger. And I think that might describe the way that some of us feel right now in the room. Like, I feel like our country is heading in a direction that I'm not for, and what about this, and what about that? And trying desperately not to make this a political thing, I just want to say this. If you feel like you're not in control, you're not. So the question comes then, if I'm not in control, who is? That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about who's really in control of mankind. Um, if you read anything to do with prophecy, you realize it will get worse. Yeah, I knew that'd be encouraging. <laughs> but I want us to know this, guys. Whatever you're facing today, if, if Paul and Silas can get absolutely filleted by Roman guards for doing what God told them to do, walking in complete obedience, and their response is to worship the Lord at midnight, then we can grow into this. How many of you guys realize you've got some growing to do? Yeah, me too. All right. So let's do this. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 again. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Join us on this journey through Acts. It really is perfect timing for my soul. I've been talking to the Lord a lot for decades about wisdom. I thought the Lord was saying, that's great, but what about faith? And I, I want to have a growing faith, so how do I get a growing faith? And uh, that, that's a real challenge for me because I'm so busy managing and leading and serving and teaching, and, and now I come across somebody in need. Do I have time to figure out how to do this and how to grow in Christ? How many of you guys know the Holy Spirit's always teaching if we're students? If we're listening, God's speaking. Somebody say amen. Come on. So I, I want us to get to this place through this journey through Acts where every day, today, what's the date today? The 13th. So today was the 13th chapter of Acts. I studied it this morning. I'm not good with numbers. Uh, or Leviticus, but I'm, I'm not good with, with knowing what day of the week it is. But I know today's Sunday, and today's the 13th, you reminded me. And this morning, I read the 13th chapter of Acts. And I invite you, join us on this journey of just, what did the early church really do? Where did they get their answers from? What, what did their meetings look like? How did they pray? What did they pray when they prayed? What did Jesus do in response? What, what was the crises that caused them to fall on their face? What was the victories? And, and what were the defeats? Because certainly, John, you know, being... Um, executed early on for his faith, and then Peter being arrested, and then, I mean, how many of you guys know life isn't always fair, but God is good, 
And so they had to learn that, that type of faith, and so do we. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we really laid out, this is what, what the Lord is saying, I believe, to that church, but this, I believe it's true today, and that's this. This is what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And what is the apostles' teaching? Who are they talking about? They're talking about, oh, okay. The apostles walked with the guy. He's the son of God, and rose from the dead, and... Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you get this. All right. So the apostles' teaching, what were the apostles teaching about? They were talking about, oh, you're so good at this. Thank you for the second try. <laughs> yeah, they're talking about Jesus. So it, apostolic teaching, again, it's not this loud, snorting, angry, you know, hubba, hubba, hubba. It, it, the, the teachings of Jesus, that's apostolic teaching. Who was Jesus? What did he say? What did he do? What's his will for us? So apostolic teaching, they devoted themselves to fellowship, a bunch of fellas, same ship, you know, some fishing rods, they're hanging out. They're, they're in this together. It's a partnership. It's not a one side and another side. Everybody has an equal share. They're not, they're not members. They're partners, if that makes sense. Um, they devote themselves to the breaking of bread, which includes Holy Communion or the Lord's Supper or a Seder or Passover meal, lots of names for this. But it also included just enjoying good food. One of the things I love, and, and actually is that this uh, Sunday coming up, in Rome, Italy, they have their missions emphasis. And for years, we've gone every year to go be a part of that. And, and one of the great things that happens afterwards is people, there's 72 different nations that attend that church, and they split this room into like, this is Africa, and this is Asia, and, and this is Europe, and, this is, and they have food from all over the world. And as the special guest, the speaker at that event, they all bring me a plate full of Filipino food. And then they bring me a plate full of African food. Then they bring me a plate full of dog from China. Then they bring me a plate full of, you know, tamales from Mexico and a plate full. Of, and I just sit there like, oh, this is so good. It's, it's too much. And it literally is too much. And, and I, I burp in eight languages after that meal because of that meal. But that's what's happening. They're getting together. And someone who's never eaten a tamale before gets to eat a tamale. Come on. Someone who's never had lasagna before gets to enjoy lasagna. And they break bread in their homes and they, they pray together. They have a, a common expectation when they call upon the name of Jesus. So today, we're going to come back to just one part of this, because I think this is the part that really unlocks the rest of them for us today. And that's something I think will give us an anchor for our soul. If you feel like you're out of control, you are not in danger if you know how to pray. How many of you guys know whatever mountain you're facing, God's bigger? so funny. I'm talking so much about politics today. I, I heard the election results and I went back to sleep. It didn't bother me at all. But I, I know somebody like, this is, I'm going to move out of the state. It's like, just, okay, just go wherever Jesus is. And he's everywhere, right? So prayer. The word pray or prayer here is the word, and I have to clear my throat for it, prasuche. Prasuche. Say it with me, will you? Just for giggles. Prasuche. Say it. Prasuche. Very good. And it, it, means, it means a lot of things. So when this word is used, it's talking about a prayer to God. It can talk about a place that's set aside for prayer, like the temple, like a synagogue, or if there are Jews amongst a Gentile society, they would just find a place by water, like a river or a stream, because they had to wash their hands. There was a ceremonial washing of their hands and feet and face before they could pray to a holy God. They washed themselves, um, and so they'd have that. If there wasn't enough of a Jewish population to have a synagogue of their own, they just found a place of prayer, as they did in Philippi, um, open air. And they had specific times of prayer. They prayed in the morning, so the sun's coming up and it's a new day. They, they pause, and the very first thing they do in that new day is they pray. And about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, when it's really hot and you don't want to be in the field or in the fishing or in the whatever, you don't want to be outdoors, they had a second time of prayer. And then as the sun went down in the evening, there was a third time of prayer. And this word, prosuche, means all of them. So they devoted themselves to the regular practices and places where their heart's connected with God. How many of you guys think that's a great thing? They connected themselves, regular practice, regular time. So let me ask you this question and watch you all freak out. 
How's your prayer life? Hear that awkward silence? How's your prayer? Why is it that when someone asks us that question, we feel like, like this? <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, how's your prayer life? Because it's an infinite art form. You know, how many hours today did you worship? How many hours today did you read the Word? How many hours today did you pray? People are kind of like, ah. So let me say this. I don't think I've ever met, and this is an indicator, I've never met somebody who felt fantastic about their prayer life that actually had a good prayer life. And what's interesting, how many of you guys remember Sister Edna? She was a saint in this church for years and years. You'd call her at 3 o'clock in the morning. She'd answer the phone and say, hi, doll. This is like before caller ID. She knew it was me at 3 o'clock. She's just scary that way. I said, did I wake you up? I'm at the hospital. Somebody's really going through something. I need prayer. No, I was awake. The Lord told me to wake up because you're going to be calling me for prayer. Like, am I even saved? Right? You know, one of those people's like, am I even going to heaven? If I am, I'm not living in the good neighborhood, right? And I asked her one time as we gave to all of our leaders on a scale of 1 to 10, rate these areas of your life. She gave herself a 2 in the area of prayer. I remember thinking, I need to create a category that has negative numbers so I can, I can rate myself in prayer. The woman was a saint of God. And when we talked to her about how is your prayer life, she said it was a two. So understand this. I think most of us, we talk about prayer, feel this sense of, man, I'm, I'm busy. There's a lot. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, but I think today what I would hope for you is you begin to understand what prayer is and what prayer is not. If you're thinking it's this saintly robes, burning incense, you know, 300 voice choir before God hears your voice, you are absolutely and completely wrong. If it concerns you, it concerns God, and God is listening to our hearts, even if our mouths aren't speaking. Whether you know it or not, right now, in the presence of God, you're praying. You're heading in a direction. There's something in your heart. There's a burden on it. There's a joy in it. There's a direction. There's a purpose for it. And as you live, breathe, and think, God is hearing the voices of our own hearts. Does this make sense? How's your prayer life? Uh, I'm busted, right? So here, let me give you a little bit of a backstory. Until Acts chapter 10... Christianity is almost exclusively a Jewish religion. It's, it's not a, you go to that next picture, it's not, it's not a, it is what's known as a Jewish sect. So a small part, a section, a small piece of Judaism was dedicated to Jesus as their Messiah, their coming one that was coming to save them, the, the prophecies fulfilled in this one life. And that's, that's what their belief is. But the Gentiles, by and large, are left out of this. And why is that? Well, because there was God's chosen people, and then there was everybody else. How many guys belong to the everybody else club? Anybody here, Orthodox Jew, anybody here, like, born Jewish, you have Jewish, you're 100% Jewish? Anybody here live kosher? Anybody? Is there one? Okay. So in, in this neighborhood, at least, right, that might be different in Southfield, that might be different in New York City, that might be different in else, but, but here in the suburbs, I think we're kind of a fair representation that there aren't many Jewish people um, on the planet compared to the rest of the planet today, nor was there then. And so when, when this small sect of a small religion in a small place in a large world there's only a handful of people, just a few thousand out of the 300 million that lived on the planet at the time that didn't know anything about Jesus. It's interesting that God chooses now not just to give this covenant to his chosen people, but to all people. How many guys are glad because you're part of the all people crowd? So this is all new. And so we're, we're about to see prayers prayed and, and, and decades of prayers and moments of prayers. But look what God does with the moments of prayers and the decades of prayers. And by the time we're done, I hope you understand that every prayer you pray is important. And that you, as you begin to think, as you begin to speak, as you long for, as you dread, we are praying to God and God is hearing our prayers. Are you still here? There's this radical shift. Acts chapter 10, verse 1 says this. At Caesarea, there's a man whose name was Cornelius. He's a centurion. And what was known as the Italian Regiment. They must have had good food. 
He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. And this, here's, here's his life. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed, persuche, to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. So this is the time of prayer, three in the afternoon. He had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers. Hear me. This is cool. Your prayers, your prosuche, and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. What, what you've been doing for decades now, just out of faithfulness, not even know really who you're praying to or what you're praying about, but just your, your inner churnings, your, your inner voice, your, your God, if you're out there, that whoever created all of this, I, I owe you something. So I'm going to take care of people, and you're going to take care of me, and, and I don't know who you are, but I know you're out there. So those things, he, God calls those things prayers, and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who was called Peter, he is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Let's go back to one, one phrase. Your prayers have become a memorial offering. You know what a memorial offering is? There, there's a certain part of the sacrifice when they give the grain offerings in the fall, the high festivals where the harvest is in. They take a certain portion of, of that grain and they dedicate it to the priesthood. There was a tithe, but part of that tithe was just put on the altar fires. And that, that grain would burn. You say, what a waste. Now, here, here the symbolism. Those grains that were burned became smoke, and, and what God said is, that will be a fragrance in my presence. I want you to hear me, and I want you to never forget these words. Your prayers on earth become substance in heaven. What you're saying to God literally becomes physical, becomes monumental, becomes memorial in heaven. And what he's saying is this, as God looks around, there's a fragrance in the room. As he's walking through the courts of heaven, there's a fragrance in the room, and he smells a distinct fragrance from a distinct town, from a distinct man who for decades has been kind to the poor, which is the heart of God. And he's been, he's been, he's been kind to God in his prayers. And he says, you know what? It's time for all the Gentiles to know Jesus. And so who am I going to find? Whose prayers will I answer? And the fragrance in the room led the father's heart straight to Cornelius' head, straight to his home, straight to his heart. Are you still here? I want you to know something, guys. Take comfort in this. If you've been praying for decades for someone to be saved, your prayers are, are fragrance in the presence of God. If you've been praying for a city, like we've been praying, Josh, since you were three, probably, since you first started praying, J.D. Was, had his first birthday. Dean and I have been here for 27 years. The Maher family, the on and on, right? For, for decades, we've been praying for this city. Sometimes it feels like our prayers are being answered, and sometimes you wonder if you got a wrong number. Anybody know what I'm talking about in prayer? You ever pray for something long enough? You feel like God's not listening. I promise you. But I want to promise you something else. Your collective prayers are becoming substance in the presence of God. Decades and decades and decades and decades. God, give us this city. God, give us Linden. God, give us Argentine. God, give us all 12 people in Byron. God, may someday Cahokta not be spelled with three Ks. Hallelujah. If you're from Cahokta, I apologize. That's just, it's an old joke, but it's so much fun. God, give us, you know, give us Tyrone Township and Flint and Grand Blanc. This last 4th of July, I had kind of a neat experience. I was walking the fields out there, getting ready for the 4th of July. As I walked around the fields, I, this is what came out of my heart to God. I said, God, the first time I walked these fields, I was a young man. And I'm asking you for the same thing today I've been asking you for for decades and decades and decades. And I pray you give us this city. How many guys know that those prayers become substance in the presence of God? Sister Edna prayed those prayers. 
Jesse Moutre prayed those prayers. You don't know who this is, that's okay, but these are the saints. Pastor F.E. and Thelma Burke prayed those prayers. And I am telling you that I am telling you that I am telling you that one of these days God's going to smell the fragrance in heaven and he's going to answer prayers that took decades to pray for you and your family and your children and your children's children for the next generation and the next and the next. God is answering prayers. And I am here to tell you today that you are not wasting your time. You're not wasting your energy. I got to believe that Cornelius was kind of like, I'm doing what I think I should do. I'm doing, you know, but it's a discipline, man. It's in the morning. I'm going to pray to this unknown God. It's it's three o'clock. I'm going to pray to this unknown God. It's evening. I'm going to pray to this unknown God. And suddenly in a day, God says, I'm going to answer every prayer you prayed to the person you didn't even know you were praying to. If you know the Lord and God is moving on your heart, your prayers are moving the hands of heaven. That's just the reality of it. You're still here. So I, I, I want you to know this too. That's like, okay, great. So I've been praying for like 10 minutes now. How long does it take before God answers my prayers? I don't want you to believe that the only thing that God answers is decades of prayer because God can answer moments of prayer too. In this story, in this narrative of the Gentiles, you and I coming to faith, there's two types of prayers. One is the prayers of Cornelius that took decades, hours and hours and hours and hours of just discipline, seeking whoever he is, whatever he is, asking for whatever seemed right and justice and somewhere, God, I'm going to give to the poor and you're going to take care of me and we're going to do this together. And wherever you are, God, praying and praying day after day after day, hours every day. That's the type of prayer that God answers. But look at Acts chapter 10, verse 9. It says this, because now he sent uh, servants, three servants, to the house of Simon the Tanner to find this guy named Peter that this vision, this angel told him about. So it says about this. About noon the following day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went out on the roof to pray. Now what's, what's Peter doing? He went on the roof to do what? Okay, that was better than the first one when the answer was Jesus. So you're doing, I, thank you, I appreciate that. Now he became hungry and he wanted something to eat and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Now, now look at this. This is the, the city of Joppa. It's modern day Jaffa. And with an F instead of a P, and it's part of Tel Aviv. So picture he's in one of these ancient structures, and he's up on the roof because it's cool. The breeze is blowing in off the Mediterranean. The seagulls are doing their thing, and the porpoises are, what do they do out on the, on the thing, right? And they're flying, and, they, and, he just, and he's hungry. But is, it, is it first thing in the morning? Do you remember that? The is it first thing in the morning? No. Is it, is it evening prayers? No. Is it afternoon, 3 o'clock prayers? No. What time is he praying? Anybody remember? It's noon. So what is he doing on the roof at noon? This is what he's doing. Please hear me. This is not decades of prayer. This is not discipline prayer. This is while they're making the salad and cooking the bread and, you know, finding the the bird. I'm just going to up on the roof real quick, spend some time with Jesus, and throw one up. I want you to hear me. God is about to announce salvation to you and I 2,000 years-ish ago. And the way he's doing it is through a, a Gentile who for decades was faithful and a Jew who for moments would rather sit up on the roof with the, the breeze going by and seek the Lord than to sit in there and watch everybody cook his bread. Does this make sense? So when you say, well, it, it's just a small prayer, look at what happens with his, his small prayer. His small prayer is answered by, he, as he's sitting there, he falls into a trance. I'm not really sure what that means. I'm not sure what our language is, is doing to the, to the original language, but for some reason, suddenly he starts to see things that aren't physically there, but he sees them with his imagination, perhaps, his physical eye, we don't know, but what he sees is clear enough, there's a sheet that lowers down from heaven, and on that sheet, there's like birds and reptiles, and remember, the kosher diet is a very strict regimen of you can only eat this and never eat that, so it falls down in front of him, and basically, it's just a bunch of stuff he can't eat. How many guys 
Love that meal. The bunch of stuff you can't eat. It's called Thanksgiving at my house. It's full of pies, but it's not. It's like reptiles. You can't eat reptiles. It's like unclean seafood. It's, it's like um, things that have cloven hoofs, pigs might be there, unclean, unkosher food. And it comes down and it lands in front of him. He's watching this vision and he hears a voice say, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Remember, Peter's disposition is he's hungry. He sees a bunch of food he can't eat and hears a voice say, now go eat it. And he goes, surely not, Lord. Nothing has ever touched my lips that's unclean. I'll never eat that. That's off my diet. I'm honoring you. I'm not, I'm not a Gentile. I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat those things that other unclean people eat. And he hears this voice say, don't call unclean what I have made clean. And it happens, he goes back up again. Then it comes back down. Get up, kill and eat. Uh, okay, seems like I've been here before. Uh, no, I'm not going to do it. And it goes back up again. Comes back down again. Come on, just eat it. It's, it's, eat it. Get up, kill and eat. I, I, will, I will not do it. It's interesting, isn't it? Three times he's tested. He says, no, I will not eat something unclean. And all of a sudden, he comes out of the trance. These three guys show up at his house that he's staying at with his buddy Simon the Tanner. He says, there's some men down here looking for you. He comes down, and they're Gentiles. And it all comes together. You guys got this? Are you getting the narrative? It all comes together. Now, all of a sudden, it's, it's what is unclean. Don't call unclean what I've made clean. And three Gentiles show up and say, we're here because God told us to come here. And Pete goes, you've got to be kidding me. Imagine you're at an outpost in Afghanistan, 1st Cavalry Division, right? You're, you're on watch, and all of a sudden, three guys show up, and, and they're, they're obviously Taliban. Say, hey, we're here because an angel appeared to us and told us that you have the way to salvation. You'd be like, yeah, I, it's time to meet your virgins. Bang, 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 right? I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, I thought I was mean. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't trust them, but that's exactly what happens. And, and, and not only does this, he starts to break every rule there is. He invites them into the home. You're not supposed to fellowship with Gentiles. Why? Because Gentiles have strictly Gentile cooties. And if you get Gentile stuff, on your Gentile hands, and you eat, you get Gentile germs, you get Gentile cooties, you get, and you'll be unclean, you can't associate, and all of a sudden, they're, they're sharing meals, and they get invited, and the next day, they find themselves 30 miles north of there in Caesarea, they arrive, and he walks in, get this, get this, get this, because of the long prayers of Cornelius, because of the momentary prayers of Peter, salvation through the gospel is announced to a room full of Gentiles. And there is no doubt as to whether or not they receive the gospel because while he's in the middle of preaching the gospel, not at the end of it, in the middle of it. How many of you guys know preachers don't like to be interrupted? In the middle of a sermon, the Holy Spirit is so rude to Peter <laughs> that he saves them all and fills them with the Holy Spirit. And just like in the book of Acts, remember they spoke in different languages? The same thing happens in Acts chapter 10 as they come to Christ. And Peter goes, well, we got a real problem here because none of them are circumcised. None of them have eaten kosher. But they all have received the Holy Spirit. He goes, I, who can keep these people from being baptized in water? They've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. Like, they're us. Brace yourselves, fellas. We're them. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we all love Jesus. And they baptize them in water. And the, and the elders back in Jerusalem go, ah, point of order. Come here. No, 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 no. Those are Gentiles. And Peter has to tell them, no, no. I, I, this is angels and prayers and visions and sheets ascending and descending with unclean meat. This is, and, and the elders in Israel go, you got to be kidding me. So this isn't just for us? They said, no, this isn't just for us. This is for your children and your children's children, for those who are far off, for as many as the Lord our God shall call, just like Jesus said. I'm here to tell you this, guys, and, and this is the whole thought of this. Piano guy, join me if you would. The whole thought of it is simply this. We feel like that kid that's busted because we, don't, we haven't prayed enough. How many of you guys know there's no such thing as praying enough? But there is such a thing as praying. 
and a momentary throwing up while I'm waiting for the bread to get cooked, prayer, I can draw a straight line from that moment, that decision just to throw one up real quick to your salvation, to my salvation. Because of that obedience, because of that throwing up, because of that decades of faithfulness and prayer, this is what happened. About 200 years later, Christianity became legalized in Rome. 300 years later, it became the state religion of Rome. Uh, keep going forward through the dark ages and different difficult times. But you understand that our understanding of the gospel came because it was received in Rome, the Western culture. Now that Western culture becomes Europe. Europe moves into the, the new lands where we are and so forth. Like we know the gospel because a, a really long prayer that God answered and a really short prayer that God answered came together in a day and God's kingdom came and as well was done. So how many of you guys think you can, just, just, how many of you guys think you can pray a short prayer? Can I see your hand? Like be honest. I think I can pray a short prayer. Okay. God can do anything he wants with your short prayer. So you should pray short prayers. How many guys think you, you, just by a show of hands, how many guys have been praying for something for a very long time? The salvation of a loved one, a city. I want you to know something. Both of them, both of them. One is substance in heaven, and the other is that moment that triggers everything. And I I want you to know, if it feels like you're wasting your time in prayer, I just, I pray, and it seems like nothing happens. Imagine being Cornelius. I've been praying the same prayers at the same time, the same seasons over the same things, and no one has ever spoken back for a year. That year became 10 years. That 10 years became possibly 20 years. He's still a centurion. He's not retirement. He's he's still in the military. So let's say he's 40 years old. And he's been praying for a very long time. Hear me, hear me. He's been praying for a very long time. I'm talking to somebody right now. I don't know who it is. He's been praying for a very long time. And nothing has happened yet. And I want to encourage you. You've been praying for a very long time and nothing's happened yet. It doesn't mean heaven doesn't smell like your prayers. It's substance and it's growing in his presence. And if all you got is a short prayer, let me tell you something. Some of the best prayers in scripture are short. Peter walking on water sees the wind and the waves and beginning to sink in the middle of a storm in the middle of a night. In, in, the, in the middle of the, all this, they're never going to find his body. He's going to be something bloated that lands up on the shore in the gatherings in a week. And he cries out in eloquence to Jesus, to him who dwelleth between the cherubim and the seraphim. No, it's not Peter's prayer. Because I, let me just warm up for a second. <clears throat> I got my King James lexicon. Okay, I think I'm ready. When he's sinking and he's about to die, anybody remember what his prayer was? It was three words. It was, Lord, what? Save me. Did Jesus go, oh, buddy, if you don't only throw in a couple of these and thous, I might have. But, it, you know, it's just, it's, it's, I would be embarrassed to answer a desperate prayer. Listen, God answers desperate prayers. I would say the most commonly repeated prayer in my repertoire of prayer, honestly, is God help me. That's, does that seem unspiritual to you? God help me. I got to make a decision. God help me. I got to deal with the situation. God help me. God, I, I'm, I'm really having a hard day. And I feel like quitting. God help me. I'm having a great day and I don't know who to share it with. God help me. And, and I just want you to know this. God help me. God save me. Lord save me. These are the prayers that literally change the direction of mankind. So if you thought that God's answers were predicated on the eloquence or length of your prayers, I assure you they are not. So you're not busted. You're blessed. You're not caught. You're adopted. You're not less than. 
because it's God math. Last slide. There's a God math involved here. One plus one equals two. But your prayer plus God equals what? Sometimes nothing for a very long time. Sometimes something amazing immediately. I want you to do this with me right now. Stand to your feet. There's no clock in the room anymore. Oh, good. I got plenty of time. Because I want to put this to work. Does that make sense? I, I, we haven't done much of this, so if this feels awkward to you, welcome to Freedom Center Church. I'm so glad you're here. But I felt like today as I was preparing for this, that it would be better not just to teach on it, but to teach on it and then exercise it. Does that make sense? So this is what I want you to do. This might feel strange to you, and I don't mean to make you feel awkward. If you're here by yourself, then come see me, and I'll, I'll, I'll do this with you. But I, I would like before you, you know, kind of say, let's go on to our next part of our day. I know some of you have to go, and that's, that's cool. I've written down your names to be deacons to punish you. Um, but if you're still here and we've got five minutes left, why not throw one up? Just by a show of hands today, how many of you guys legit have a need? that It's like a God need. Let me see your hand. I have, I have like a God need. It's not, it's not a need like on the way out today, I just need 30 cents to buy the large coffee instead of the medium. It's a legit God need. Something only God can do in my life. I need, I need God. And you say, well, what's my expectation? I'm, are you going to pray for me? Am I, other people, strangers around me going to pray for me? This is what I want to do. And I, this, will, this will be vague enough to fit everybody. I'd like for the last five minutes of this service, and if you're watching online at home, in the car, tomorrow, Grambling campus, Mississippi campus, right? Wherever you are, New York. We have some people here from New York today, you know. I want you to do this. I want to create an atmosphere right where you are of prayer. What's that mean? Really anything you want it to mean. You want to bow your head and pray? Bow your head and pray. God hears your prayer. You want to pray silently? You want to pray loudly? Not too loudly that you scare people. But, you know, you want to pray out loud? That's fine. That's exactly what I just said. Yeah. Right? But you raised your hand. Just, again, I, I have a prayer need. Let me just do it another way. I got a prayer need, and it wouldn't bother me if somebody prayed for me about this need. Can I see your hand? It wouldn't bother me. So look, look to see who has their hands up. Keep your hands up. And this is what I want to do. Just remember where they are. And actually, let's do this. If you got prayer in you that you might be able to give to somebody else, go to somebody that has their hand up right now. Put your hands back up again. I, I would like to have somebody pray for me. So staff, deacons, group leaders, nobody's moving. I'm about to get angry. Let's go. People, move it, move it, move it. All right? Pray for patience for me. Don't pray for patience for me. And when somebody is there, go ahead and put your hand back down and tell everybody that has their hand up. Back here, we got somebody. Back here. And I, sir, do you have somebody now? You got somebody? So your hand was up. Anyone else? I know this is, I, th- we weren't ready for this. I was ready for this. I just didn't tell anybody. And back here, Cheryl, anybody got Cheryl? Got a young lady? Miss Pat, you got her? Good. Good, 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 good. FCA students, come on, jump in. Let's do this. For the last five minutes, um, you good playing for about five, ten minutes? Are we paying you by the hour or by the day? Or Okay, good. We're not paying him at all. But let's create an atmosphere of prayer. What's that mean? We're going to throw one up. Or we're going to add something to the offering that's taken decades. But we're not going to leave here until we've told God that we need him, that we want him. Some of you may need forgiveness. Talk to him. You may need provision. Talk to him. You might need freedom. Talk to him. You might need strength. Talk to him. But whether it's a momentary or it's on the pile of decades, now is your time to seek the Lord. This is, this is the one thing we get to do that no one else can. Things feel out of control. If I'm not in control, I'm in danger. Last statement. But if he's in control, you're not. How do I get God in control? How do I get him in control of my life? You pray, and you give him control 
of your circumstances, of your days, of your nights, of your dollars, of your friends, of your family, of your enemies. You give God control. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just create an atmosphere of prayer, an environment, God, where a heart can find you and find you well. We pray out loud. We pray silently. We, we pray for people. We, we pray for ourselves. We, we add to that, that long, long list of prayers we've done for our unsaved loved ones or for our nation or for our state. Or we, we pray today, God, because when we pray, you know, the doors of heaven open. Let your kingdom come. Come on, let me hear you pray this morning, church. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven, Father. We, we pray. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. We lift up the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We lift up the name of Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus. Forever we sing Jesus. Forever we sing Jesus. God, I pray that everybody here would feel in this presence your love. It's not necessarily your hand that's on us. It's a, it's a person's hand, but in their hand is your hand. In this room is your heart. In this room, God, nothing's impossible. In this room, mountains are being moved. In this room, lives are being changed. In this room, new things are beginning. In this room, old things are passing away. In this room, in the atmosphere of prayer, God, where you are Lord and you are King, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Let chains fall off now in Jesus' name. Let life come in a richer and fuller way in Jesus' name. Let the freedom that you promised us in the Spirit come now in Jesus' name. Heal things that are broken, God. I pray specifically, and you want to just, we're going to throw some things up here together. God, we pray for marriages right now in Jesus' name. And we keep saying in Jesus' name because it's not in any other philosophy or any other thought. It is under the name, the authority, like someone arresting somebody would say, I arrest you now in the name of the King. We now arrest the problems the, the, the difficulties, the lies, the struggles in Jesus' name. With the authority of the king, we now bring the kingdom. That which was chained is now loosed, and that which was loosed that shouldn't have been is now chained. We bind and we loose these things in prayer right now. Father, we pray. We pray, God. I pray right now for those who feel like the world's just out of control. I pray they'd meet a God who's in control. I pray that in this moment right now, their hearts would go from unrest and strife and division and all this anger that puffs us up to make us feel like we're, we can take on what's coming at us because we're angrier than it is. It's been, anger's been defeating the body of Christ for too long. It's time for the peace of God that transcends understanding to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for your peace. 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 Your peace, God. Your peace. I pray for this, that forgiveness and that wholeness, that sozo, that, uh, that life that is yours and yours alone, God. I pray that in business, I pray that in family, I pray that in relationships and friendships and neighbors, we would be known as the people of God, light and salt. I pray for every altar that we would worship at that's just an idol to be torn down now, that Jesus would be placed upon the throne of our lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we tear down strongholds and vain imaginations and things that have raised themselves up against the knowledge of God. We pray for our children, Last thing, guys, we pray for our children, for the generations yet unborn, for the generations that are here now that are just, they're just kids. They're just inheriting the, the systems that, that, that are there. God, we pray, may we have a radical, beautiful Joshua generation that rises up and possesses the land, God. We pray for our children and our children's children, God, to be blessed 
blessed, blessed, strong, strong, strong. God, mighty warriors, mighty warriors. May they be able to take a blow and not flinch. May they be able to give mercy, God, without, without cost. May they just be an extraordinary anointed group. Father, we pray, God, over our schools and our land, God, that have these children in them. May we do our best, Father, to provide for them. Here on Orphans Awareness Month, we, we pray for those that are in need, God, and we do more than just pray. We give, we serve. Um, the cards are there to be filled out to mow somebody's grass or plow somebody's snow or make life a little easier for those that are making somebody else's life possible. We're not just, you know, pro-birth. We are pro-life, the life of these children, God. And I pray, interweave your kingdom in every fabric of our society, God, until light and salt wins every war. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, guess what? When somebody says, how was church today? Say, it was a prayer meeting. We didn't have church today. We had a prayer meeting. And they'll think you're so spiritual. If you need more prayer, we do have altar workers that are coming forward. They're like, hey, I, that was good. No, but I, I, I'm just getting started. I have miracles yet unseen, and we want to see them. Then come forward. If not, go get your kids. God bless you. You are dismissed.